You said your sister-in-law killed a man and a woman here and cut them up? You said they found hands and feet, but they never found any heads. Hi, everyone. Hi. Alrighty. We're back. We're here. We're getting down to business. This is episode 102. Yes. Um, this Hold on. Is that right? Yeah. That is right. It is right. I feel like because we're recording this Monday instead of Sunday that we missed like a whole week. Yeah. But yeah. No. <clears throat> we just got delayed by a day. We're not terribly behind. No. Um, so this was an article I was going to read a couple weeks ago when it was the exact time but um i forgot about it because i had saved it on my phone instead of on the computer so i'm gonna go go ahead and cover it now all right so a hundred years ago on april 9th so last month um two significant weather events happened on the same day in the shenandoah valley and i just thought that it was really interesting because one (coughs) it's it's crazy to have such events happening even though the valley is a pretty it spans a pretty big area so anyway the first one was a blizzard which started that morning um and then about 9 p.m that night there was an earthquake wow isn't that interesting in 1920 1918 18 mm-hmm. okay um yeah. Pretty much 100 years. Yeah, a little over 100 years. So I'm sorry. Um, so according to the weather reports, uh, they said that the snow started falling early that morning. Most of the snow um, started melting through the day. And then more of it accumulated overnight. And then some strong winds came. And that caused heavy snow, which downed telephone lines, electric lines. The roads were covered. Um, and since the fruit and trees were kind of in bloom because april can definitely be a very warm month here yeah um in march too uh they were everyone was worried about what was going to happen to the harvest and the you know the fruit uh the trees and the fruit and all that stuff so they said that um snow fell or snow caused like damage to rooftops and they said that in Charlottesville, um, it was about two inches, but then in Moorfield, it, it it got to like three feet. Damn. Yeah. So quite a range. Um, and they said it basically made all the roads impassable. The mail carriers couldn't even get through. Like, you know, that's the big thing. Well, 1918? 1918. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, whatever they're traveling on <laughs> Much different trash. than now. Yeah. So, um, then an earthquake, which was centered in Page County, was felt over in the Shenandoah Valley. And they said that it was, um, there was no damage, but that throughout the valley, including Harrisonburg, so from, uh, well, I guess Page County is closer to Harrisonburg. Um, so they said that there was, uh, just a trembling rumble feeling that pretty much everyone in the valley felt, but it happened in Page County. That sounds terrifying. Well, it's kind of like it was the first time that they realized there was a, I Rumble. think, a fault line around here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when we had that minor earthquake in like Culpeper a couple years ago and people freaked out because it was like, oh, we didn't realize we could get earthquakes here. Yeah. But again, was everyone really was weird. just worried about the blizzard and then an earthquake happened. So it probably, and especially in 1918, they probably thought it was the end of the world. 
I could see that. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. Um, they said going back, the magnitude of the earthquake was a 4.9. What's bad? Uh, like, I think like eight or something. An eight? Yeah, I think that's like crazy. Um, let's see. Earthquake. Scale. Hmm. Um, what did I say? What was the numbers I said? Four eight four eight that's often felt but uh only causes minor damage it's not cracking the road open no cracking the road open would be um probably like a seven or above that's a major earthquake six to six point nine says that it may cause a lot of damage in populated areas five to six would be damage to buildings and other structures so still under i think both of the earthquakes we've had here are under because i don't think the fault lines I don't think they, they're they that big. Um, that's what she said. Anyway, ready for the story? I'm ready. All right. This is the tale of String Bean. String Bean. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Is that a person? Yes. Okay. So born on June 17th, 1915 in Anvil, Jackson County, Kentucky, this uh, little baby named David Aikman came from a musical family. The whole family was musical. It was one of those things where um, they... Like for a living? No, just played. Okay. um, Because it's the 1915. uh, It is the 1915. (laughs) What's uh, what's Nanny say? Uh, She goes up on on Nookie's porch and plays. It's like that kind of thing, where they go and play music at a friend's house or something. Got it. Um, His dad was a banjo player. His mother, Alice, was known for her voice. Um, David would eventually become one of eight children. His siblings were Pearl, Elizabeth, Luther, um, Joseph. They all came before him. And then Sally, Alfred, and Robert, who came after them. The difference in the Pearl to Robert, 30 years. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Pearl was born in 1893. Robert was born in 1922. Wow. Why the fuck would people do that? I don't know. I don't know. 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So the family was very poor. They lived on a farm altogether. And at the age of seven, uh, David, too, joined the music. He made a banjo from a shoestring with borrowed thread. I thought you were just going to say a shoe. <laughs> a <like>. shoe. <laughs> A, a shoe? A banjo, Bob? A banjo, Bob? A banjo. By the age of 12, he was able to afford a real banjo, which he called the five. And he, it's five strings. The five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he, you know how, <laughs> you know how he purchased it? With a shoe? No. He traded two prize chickens. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. Uh, but that was right as the Great Depression hit, and obviously there was no money to be made in playing music. A lot of music. trading. Yeah, a lot of trading. So David became a part of a group responsible for building roads and planting trees in the New Deal Era Civilization Conservation Corps. Corp. So this group was one of the earliest programs that was set up to relieve unemployment during the Great Depression. It provided conservation work primarily to young unmarried men. So basically the government hired them to plant trees, build flood barriers, fight forest fires, maintain roads and forest uh, trails. And in exchange, they lived in work camps that were semi-military. 
Um, and they would have monthly cash allowances of 30 bucks, but they were supplied with food, medical care, and other necessities. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. At, yeah. A, at its largest, it employed fi- uh, 50,000. So at one time. And these are just young people, right? These are young, unemployed like- men. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you would leave your family and be like, well, at least I'm going to get something. It's no, more of a most of the time they, sent, they probably sending... sent the money back to a, to their family okay. anyway. I'm, I'm seeing just like a family with like a young dude that can't really do shit or they can't really feed. Yeah. So it's like, we'll go work. With that too. Yeah, I mean, it's the Great Depression. So it's it's kind of like however you can get money and food and the more stable, the more interesting yeah i would do that like crazy yeah so again at, at, at its um biggest at uh, at its height it employed fifty thousand people at one time damn and in full during its entire existence it employed over three million so um a I'd, lot of our roads and trees and stuff in our forests and stuff yeah, were but they got a fucking ton done I mean, oh what else so are you much doing done. yeah you're not doing shit and that's the thing it's like again they're they're getting food and they're getting and you live in like a, a shelter. barracks yeah i There's mean nothing to do but work yeah and at that time i don't think people were really worried with the other parts of life i mean we're kind of feeling that same way right now. Just trying. Not, not quite there yet, but like. Just trying to live. Yeah, exactly. We're just, just trying to make it through. So. Also, um, not a lot of fun shit to do in 1918. Or, no, well, this is probably 1920. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. <clears throat> Eventually, David turned back to music. He entered a talent contest, which was judged by Asa, um, Asa Martin, I think. is. Aston Martin? Asa. A S A. Okay. <clears throat> uh he was an american old-time musician that's what it's categorized as. was it old time then <clears throat> uh n- well no no definitely not okay. well probably a little bit but um he was closely associated with doc roberts do you know who that is uh, i know the name okay yeah How, um, and where are we at again uh the, we are right now we are in kentucky okay i guess we're always in kentucky got it yeah sorry he got i guess he wherever he served just trying to think of where his probably music, kentucky too uh influences would oh very back porch very back porch peaking. yeah um, very much so right on um uh, <laughs> i don't know I'm not going to even start singing Where that. I could <laughs> I, I know you wanted to sing that shit. Um, so anyway, uh, he joined. So David won the competition and he was in. He was invited to join the Martin Band. And during one of the shows, um, he, he, the Asa, or Asha, I don't know how you say his name. He forgot how to say David's name when he was introducing the band. And so David was a tall dude. He was 6'5 and very thin. So lanky. How do you he you mean he forgot his name? Yeah, he forgot his name. Okay, well, you said you he forgot how to say his name. No. That's I said like, I don't know how to say his name. Oh, I, I got those two things mixed Sorry. up. I was, I was, <laughs> no, no, no. He was intro- okay. He David. was introducing David. Yeah. Or he was introducing the band. He forgot David's Couldn't name because David's a new is member. Is this where Stream Bean is coming from? Yes. And he just calls him that? He's like Well, he's announcing to He's the stage? like, "Come up here, Stream Bean." Yeah. Damn. and david loved it because oh, he was he, he liked it yeah he was like a i'm um, easy easy going guy okay. like definitely was aware that he was the tall like ganky so he wasn't guy. like it's david you little bitch no not at all not at all he actually um he actually used it to his advantage and stuck with it because he was like well you know a lot of the musicians at that time 
we're going by nicknames, so I'll just go. That's a that's a branded like I'm clearly a stream bean. Stream bean trademark. Yeah, trademark. <laughs> Did you just trademark? So David was very, again, he was very humorous. He enjoyed laughing. So um, one night when a performer failed at this show that they were playing, so um, a performer failed to show up. So it was a, at that time, it wasn't just like musicians that played. You would have skits or comedians. Yeah. 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 Like a road show. Yeah, exactly. So. Vaudeville. Uh, yeah, exactly. So um, um, a performer failed to show up one night and David was like, oh, I'll just go up and like tell a few jokes or whatever. So he went up and did a little like stand up as much stand up as you can do at the time. Yikes. Yeah. Um, but apparently it went over well it, because he did it with the banjo and he was again, kind of a goofy dude. So it, it kind of worked for him. Oh, so he had the banjo as a crutch. Yeah. So he, he, could, he was like, even a if the joke was musician. half bad, he could be like, exactly. Exactly. Isn't I mean, again, hilarious? he's not trying to like, he's just trying to fill time. Yeah. 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 So he um, he starts a career as a like comic musician, and and again in this very like specific style where it's yeah. like yeah even if it's a bad joke well, I'll make it funny with the band and it's the twenties it's not hacky yet exactly um, well now so we get in through to the thirties and he plays with several groups throughout that time he appears on radio in Lexington Kentucky which was big at the time. Um, and around that, uh, so in the 1930s, he also started playing semi-professional baseball, which a lot of like country old-time musicians played at that time. Semi-professional. Semi-professional. So he's kind of getting paid. Sort of. So what happened was it would be like a lot of um, like musicians would would play for you know like a record label or something. So they weren't really getting play. They weren't really getting paid for playing. Why does the record label need a baseball team? It was just a thing. People were into baseball. I guess baseball was baseball was like the it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it makes sense that a In record 30s, label would buy it. Yeah. yeah. Like crazy. Mm-hmm. Other musicians also own baseball teams. So this guy named. Um, Bill Monroe, he owned a rival baseball country, uh, baseball country, baseball club, and he was also one of the biggest like bluegrass musicians at the time. This is baseball country. This is baseball. He um he f- saw Stream Bean. He was famous for fastballs. He was a pitcher, and Bill asked about him. And then after um they played a few games together, he he was like, D- I have to get this guy on my team. And then realized he was a musician. I wonder what a fast fastball is in 1930s. Not very fast. Yeah, like, I'm going to show you the fucking heat. <laughs> yeah. This one might hit the like 70s. Like a slow pitch softball. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Bill's often referred to as the father of bluegrass. The name of the genre comes from his band. Um, one really? of his band. Yeah, the, the whole bluegrass genre of bluegrass? boys. What mm-hmm. does it mean? That was just the name that they had come up with. Okay. I didn't know if there was an exact origin to what bluegrass <laughs> originally meant. No, I mean, I guess it was it. something with, with, um, I'm, it, they were probably inspired by something. I didn't look into it further okay. than that. But yeah, he's, he had a band called the Bluegrass Boys, and they were one of the first bands that made blue, bluegrass as we know it now big. Cool. Yeah. So um, when Stringbean met him, Bill was doing really well. He had recorded um, several classic songs, including Blue Moon of Kentucky. Do you know that song? 
If I heard it, maybe. You probably know if you heard it because Elvis covered it in 1954. It was originally a slow ballad, but after Elvis did it, um, they they rearranged it to make it a faster song. He rocked it out? He, uh, yeah, I mean, he just did better with, with it. his so. pouty lips? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so again, when String Bean meets Bill in 1943, obviously that's about 10 years before Elvis, but we'll go back a little bit um he's doing well and bill owns a baseball team and he wants string bean to play and then he realizes string beans also a musician and not only that he's a really good musician so um they meet and for the next two years string bean becomes a member of the monroe band he performs on the song on the song quote goodbye old pal and he also teams with this guy willie egg egbert Westbrook <laughs> and they form string bean and cousin Wilbur. And it's like a comedy duo musician. Got it. Skit band thing. Um, have you ever been, have you ever been to Tennessee or anywhere like that? Um, to Tennessee. Yeah. I, yeah. I've been to Memphis. Okay. And, but you haven't mm, been to, you've now you've never been in pigeon forge, right? No, okay. I always wanted to go because it so, seems very like kitsch. Oh, we kitschy definitely and, have to go. Yeah, I want to go because they Stay have they have shows like this still. Oh yeah, and my parents loved Pigeon Forge, and we went there often, and we would go to these. Can't you? Uh, I guess a weird way to say that you. You can't get drunk there, right? Um, no. Well, in Pigeon Forge, you can. There is a town nearby, which I am blanking on the but name. But you're not... You're um, not Gatlin, Gatlinburg. Gatlinburg. Yeah, it's a much... It's a cute little town. It's uh, it's a dry city or dry town. Uh, that town is. Yeah. I believe I'm you can like, get it in Pigeon Forge. You're saying you can go to these shows. Mm-hmm. No. Can I get drunk Sober. at this show? No. Sober. So the, um, actually, those are probably in Pigeon Forge, so you could probably drink at those. Because you can drink at the um, the Dixie Stampede, which we would also definitely have to go to. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm yeah, getting yeah. that boot cup. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get like you a, go to someone's house and they offer you a drink and they bring it out in a boot cup. Shout out boot cup. I'm just... I should steal mine from my I parents. I love that. Yeah. Did you just bring me a fucking boot cup full of Kool-Aid? Yeah, I'm going to have a Shirley Temple that's actually alcoholic for the I'm going to remember time. that forever, and I'm going to love you forever. It's, it's great. It's great. Um, anyway, we digress. Um, we'll definitely take that trip one day. <laughs> You'll enjoy these bands. Anyway, um, they have this skit group or whatever. It does really well. He plays on Monroe's baseball team, uh, which is a requirement of all band members. So this you dude, have to. What if you fucking suck? Well, again, a lot of them just like. I mean, everyone likes baseball, so. Yeah, I know, but he's making them play. Semi-professional. Even, st- what if you fucking suck? Like, I guess it, he's just like, oh no, 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 you're playing, and you're like Kevin. From the office. I don't know. Oh, you're fucking playing. I guess, yeah, I guess that's exactly what happens. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, I don't know. I can't answer that for you. Interesting. So in 1945, String Bean meets and marries a girl named Estelle. That same year, he and Wilbur are invited to perform at the Grand Old Opry. Right on. And we're in the 40s? 1945. 
Got it. So for those that aren't familiar with what the Grand Old Opry is, it was it is a weekly American country music stage concert that was broadcast and is broadcast from Nashville, Tennessee. It was founded in 1925. It's the longest running broadcast in U.S. history. And in the 1930s, the show began hiring professionals. It expanded to a four-hour show. It became a Saturday night tradition in most states, uh, including, and I, I watch this with my grandparents a lot, um, it debuted nationally on NBC Radio in 1939, so that's when it got huge. And after that, Nashville became known as America's country music capital, and to this day, they are still broadcasting weekly showcases of traditional and contemporary songs, as well as bluegrass, folk, and gospel music interspersed with uh, comedic performances and skits. And it is one of the whitest places on earth. Absolutely. One of the whitest places you could be. So white. So white. Yeah, if you want to know what what white people it is. are at their core, it watch that. Is Honkyville. Yeah. yeah. Grand old Opry. <laughs> oh, definitely. Isn't there a, didn't they do a movie? I think so. It's like Oh no, there's a show. A, I think. Oh, I thought there was a Maybe uh, there is a movie. And it's kind of like funny-ish it's yeah, supposed I think to be kind so. of parody yeah maybe i'm fucking no that i up. think so i have to look it up though all right moving on maybe it's a muppets movie or something <sighs> that would be fantastic <laughs> yeah so 1946 um string being he leaves the monroe band and the baseball team and he begins working with grandpa jones he's another old-time banjo player and comedian Grandpa's full name was Lewis Marshall Jones. He was born in 1913 in Kentucky as well. He's the same age-ish as Stringbean. And his name is Grandpa? Yeah. How he old got, is he? Uh, well, uh, the 1915, 1945 in their 30s. And he's Grandpa now? He got the name Grandpa at 22 because of his offstage grumpiness during early morning radio shows. <laughs> So it again just became a, 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 a name he played into and he started dressing as an old man Sweet. because it worked better for a skit. Awesome. So they worked together at the Opry regularly and String Bean became known as being one of the best claw hammer banjo pickers, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. Um <laughs> just ever i mean like to this day just he, ever yeah like andy probably loves the fuck out of this dude um and he was a bona fide star very quickly he played into the comedy side of things and then he started wearing a signature outfit which was an extra long shirt tucked into a very small pair of pants that were fastened at his knees so <laughs> it gave him the appearance of being a very tall man with short legs Awesome. He got the pants from a friend of his that was a little person. We he also played for the have band. Have pictures? Oh, absolutely. Great. Yes. So String Bean did not um, record as a solo artist until the 1960s, which was a mix of music and comedy. Because, um, you know, that was just his stick at this point. He scored a couple of hits on the charts, which included Chewing Gum. And I wonder where Wanda went. <laughs> and these are 60s? Yes. Um, between 1962 and 1974, he re- or excuse me, 1971, he recorded seven albums, the first being Old Time Pickin' and Grinning with uh, Stream Bean. Right on. Yeah. 
1969, Stream Bean and Grandpa Jones joined another show, which was Hee Haw. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Again, for those that do not know what this is, it's an American TV variety show which feature uh, country music and humor skits in the fictional area of Cornfield Country. It was both both with K's, by the way. It was well known for its, quote, cornbread humor, a.k.a. honky humor. Yeah, I, I, I just... <laughs> And it, yeah, again. Yeah. Super white. Yeah. But the saving grace was that it had voluptuous and scantily clad women called the Hee Haw Honeys who wore farmer daughter outfits. I can get behind all of all of this. Yeah. Making it a success, not just among uh, country stars. Do you remember in that 70s show when the, I think they say that they're watching Hee Haw like, like once or twice? Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. And I'm sure it's for the chicks. I mean, I... Psh- well, also, what else is on? Yeah, I'm I'm not mad at a hee-haw, honey. No, hell no. Uh, yeah, I've watched a bunch of hee-haw. Oh, cause yeah. My grandparents. Oh, definitely, definitely. So one of <clears throat> excuse me, one of Stream Bean's regular skits of the show was read a letter from home to friends. Someone would ask him about a letter. He would say, "I keep it here, right next to my heart." But then he couldn't find the letter after checking multiple pockets. <laughs> And then it would eventually end up on, like, his hip or, like, in his shoe or something. Genius. Yes. He also played a scarecrow in a cornfield that would shout one-liners at the scene going on um, before a crow on his shoulder would just shout him down. Okay. Yeah. So String Bean, or David in his normal life, was a very modest and unassuming man, even though he was a millionaire at this point. Damn. Um, probably multi-millionaire. Damn. He used apple vinegar as shaving cream, and he used rubbing alcohol as deodorant. Yikes. Yes. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, old man that doesn't under, like, that did not, or not, he's not an old man, but you know what I mean? Just rubbing from alcohol. From 1920s, you wouldn't use deodorant. You just didn't use it. Got it. I don't know when deodorant was invented, but that I don't think that's what they were worried about in the Great Depression. I mean, that makes sense because my grandfather's armpits always smelled like shit. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, definitely. If if he used deodorant. I don't think he did. If he raw. did, I don't think it yeah. was a scented one. Funky ass farmer armpit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I have been in the field for... 80 some years that dark sweat <laughs> yes um he would raise slaughter and smoke his own pigs though he never ate beef or dairy because he had a sensitivity to it but he didn't have a sensitivity to murdering it and getting it no prepared. this was pigs oh he had a sensitivity to um beef and dairy oh yeah so got it cattle uh he made extra money by gathering wild ginseng and selling it to china so he's making money on the side. Um, and he's, his friend said that he was pleasant, gangly, and pre- uh, peculiar, and that his um, comedic personality wasn't that far from his normal self. That he was just a silly, goofy guy. He's a goose. Always. Yeah, he is a goose. His friend said that he did flash money, uh, mainly around them, but sometimes around other people. Psst, he, he got it. He was known for keeping wads of 100 bills in his overalls because he didn't trust banks coming from a depression era. Yeah. Definitely not going to trust the bank. Also, like, 
that's such an easy time to rob banks. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. What are you talking about? I keep my shit in there. Yeah. He and Estelle lived in a small cottage on a farmland away from the main city of Nashville and had few indulgence other than the one thing he bought every year, which was the newest model of Cadillac. My man. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So Spend just, that money. Every year he would just trade in and get the new one. That's kind of dumb because it's going to be pretty much the same thing, but... I could see every like three years. Well, it's also kind of dumb because he can't drive. Really? He just gets driven around? Estelle drives him. Still. I mean, which she's down for. It's pretty fucking boss. Yeah. And it's about a 30 minute drive from their house to the, um, to the Opry and back. So she like, she enjoyed it, you know? Nice little caddy ride. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the couple spent their time with their best friends and neighbors, Grandpa Jones and his wife. Um, her, she was a fiddler and singer, singer herself. Her name was Ramona. They also lived on the farm, so the four of them bought this farm together. And then there was a house in the uh, the front of the property, a big house on the front of the property, and a small cabin in the back of the property. The deal was is that Grandpa and uh, Ramona were probably going to have children, which they did eventually have. So they moved into the house in the front of the land because it was bigger. Yeah. While Estelle and Streambeam were never going to have babies. So... Because they couldn't. They didn't want them. I didn't find the information on that. I assumed they just didn't want them. Too busy buying caddies. Yeah, and probably at this point, um, they were just older anyway so they just missed the boat on it but, yeah i guess um, it would be 50s mm-hmm, yeah uh well yeah 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 we're we're moving into the 70s so oh yeah, yeah definitely definitely not having any kids not anymore so they would fish these these four um fish together they farm together they hike together they live modestly off their fortunes playing music together but most of all in their free time they sat around hung out played music just enjoyed being around each other i mean basically always with each other it sounds like the fucking life yeah it sounds cool sweet farm with the homies yeah shit loads of money and cadillacs <laughs> just playing music all yeah. the time sounds like a good time sounds like a great life yeah so um stream Bean was really open with his friends about um you know, having money, obviously, because they all had money because they were all musicians. But soon, I mean, the city of Nashville, though, I think it's like three million now. I mean, even then there were it was a bigger city, but it's a small group. And so there's a lot of gossip in town about who has money, who has a lot of money and who doesn't trust banks. And so eventually... <laughs> Um, this woman who happened to work for um, Stream Bean's booking agent, uh, she found out that he, quote, kept all of his cash in the cabin. Her husband, Charlie Brown. Oh, Chuck. Not, not joking here. His, uh, he had a brother named Doug and a cousin named John who found out this money is, or found out about the money as well, or this fact, quote unquote, uh-huh. about stream being so they decided let's rob him let's rob him he's gangly yeah and they had the perfect time to strike because it's a four hour show in a 30 minute one way so you've got at least five hours to rob him every saturday night yeah and he lives in a cabin on farmland in the middle of nowhere and it's 1973 i wouldn't just assume that all of his money is there it's kind of a yeah, stupid fucking a, plan it, from the jump i think 
that the the thought is though is because he's such a goofy dude that he would be dumb enough to do that. I mean, between not liking banks, I get not liking banks, but he could have like some buried over here, mm-hmm. especially at those times. Like, well, yeah, and I'm know, sure that's some under here, yeah. some over at their house. Yeah, I don't know why they. You're right. I don't know why they assumed that he just it would ha- just ha- be around a in a shoebox somewhere. Like, we'll just go at least check it out in a banjo somewhere. In a banjo. Leave the man as banjo. Yeah. A banjo bob? Yeah, exactly. So is normal on Saturday, November 10th, 1973. Stringbean and um, Estelle, they drive to the show. That night he performs Y'all Come, uh, Y'all Come In, I think is what it was called, in Hillbilly Fever. And then he sat backstage with the Jones family discussing their week plans. So he and Grandpa were going to go on a hunting trip in uh, Virginia. So it was going to be a week-long trip, so they were just uh, making their plans. And the women were deciding to have dinner together, and Estelle was really excited because she was going to have steak, which she can't have because normally because Strain Bean doesn't oh, eat beef. She doesn't want to eat it in front of him? Uh, she, yeah, just I think she just it. doesn't want to make it without him, and they don't go out very much. So, um, or she does. She can't make, she's not going to make two separate meals. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I hear that. Yeah, so the sh- the women make plans, the men make their plans. At 10, 18, he performs Lord, I'm Coming Home, which was the first time he had performed the song. And around that exact same time at his house, John and Doug Brown, who were both 23, were rummaging through everything trying to find money. However, a thorough search turned up nothing. So the boys decided on plan B. Let's wait till he comes home and then force him to show us his hiding place. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So after a night out, String Bean and Estelle return home in the caddy. But as soon as they arrive and the headlights sweep over the front door, String Bean realizes something's wrong. He can kind of see that the door's been fucked, fucked with. with. Yeah. <clears throat> so he gets out of the car and Estelle kind of brings it. They, they bring it around into maybe into a garage or a carport. I'm not quite sure. So she pulls it around. He gets out of the car and then kind of waves her off. So she kind of stays where she is and he approaches the door with a pistol because he's not a dumbass. Yeah. And, and farm. Yeah, he's a farm dude. He's gonna Come he's on definitely now. gonna be armed. He's gonna have a rifle in the fucking caddy. Yeah, yeah. He well he does. He just haven't had the pistol on him. Got it. Yeah. So he has the pistol drawn, he approaches the door, he opens it, but does nothing for several minutes. Just stands there. Mm-hmm. And then he finally steps in and Doug is right inside of the door. And Doug who has been waiting for several minutes for him to step in and also it doesn't think he's going to be armed because they think this man's an idiot, yeah. I assume, um, is surprised by him and goes to shoot at him. So Stream Bean fires at him, but he misses because John, the other one, comes up behind him and shoots him point blank in the head. Damn. Yeah. So, what is the fucking point of that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I guess because they didn't, because he saw that he was armed and realized that this situation has now escalated. Oh my to god! To save his, to save David, he has to kill him. Why would you not just? Oh, we don't. We didn't find anything here. Yeah, we looks were just like, robbing you. Looks like we have a stupid fucking plan. Let's go home before we're, they get here. Real dumb plan. So, hearing the gunshot, Estelle runs for help. She runs through the field, which um, she's running towards the Jones's house. Yeah. But it's like 
um, a couple miles away. A couple miles. It's like, and I believe it's, on the it's same two property? miles. Yeah, they have a huge property. I mean, it makes sense. They're yeah, all yeah. racked, but yeah, that's. I thought they were somewhat close. I mean, I, I believe. Um, let me go back here. I believe it's two miles. Damn. Yeah, two miles. That's a spread. Yeah, yeah, and again, she's not a young woman, and not saying that she can't run that far, but she yeah. doesn't. She doesn't make as as soon as John. You know, he shoots him. He go, looks for her and sees her running through the field. And she's kind of an open. Damn. Yeah. Um. So he uh he he's able to like run her down and then shoots her in the back of the head. Um. They flee in the station wagon that the couple have that they use for like farm work. And the only things they got away with was two hundred fifty bucks in cash, a chainsaw, and some firearms congratulations mm-hmm. you fucking idiots what they missed was um and they did search both bodies and but they didn't do a really good job because so string bean because he carried a lot of money on him i mean we know Is he's that the flashing money they 100. got off of him Mm-mm. they got some he had some in his like side pocket mm-hmm. in his overalls in a secret sewn in inside pocket from his wife he had three thousand one hundred eighty two dollars damn and in the caddy, there were various other items, a rifle, pistol, and more cash um, of an undisclosed amount. And Estelle had $2,100 in her bra. Damn. Yeah. They did it up when they went out. Like, how much you got? I got about three on me. <laughs> yeah. I got about two. We should be good for the we evening. We should be good. I don't think we need any more than this. So the next morning at 7 a.m., Grandpa Jones gathers everything for the hunting trip. He drives the two miles back to the cabin. Though as he approaches, he thinks, well, that's a little weird. There's no smoke coming from the chimney of the cabin. Mm-hmm. And it's November, mid-November in Kentucky. It's going to be cold. Yeah. So like, why is there no smoke? So as he um, as he approaches, he kind of looks over and he he can see Estelle's body laying in the field. So in shock, he um, runs to the cabin door. He finds Strain Bean face down near the fireplace, and the fireplace is cold. So he knows it happened last night. Yeah. Yeah. So he he also noticed. So he goes to call the authorities, and the telephone wire has been cut. And um, the place had clearly been ransacked. So he returned to his house. He had his wife call the police and he returned back to the crime scene. Uh, Ramona then showed up. She went and checked Estelle. She noticed that Estelle had white frost in her hair. So again, confirming they've been out here all night. Yeah. Um, The radio in the house had been turned to the WSM channel, which was the channel that the the Grand Old Opry had came on. So uh, they very quickly quickly concluded that they had been carried killed last night by someone who had been waiting in the house ransacked the house who had waited in the house and had clearly listened to the programming mm-hmm. knowing when they would probably be home so once word of the deaths spread country music has a new tragedy um i mean uh, until uh, until 1973 there had been several other deaths you know plane crash Petsy klein um booze pills but never murder yeah yeah so upon hearing about this one uh music mute one musician jimmy widener he often played with strain bean um he remarked at what a loss it was to the community 17 days later 
Jimmy was driving into North Nashville and he went to a Holiday Inn to meet the widow of Eddie Hazelwood, who had promised to give Jimmy some unrecorded songs of Eddie's is um, Jimmy had recently decided to go solo. So he had worked with Eddie and Eddie had just died. And so he decided to go solo. So the widow, um, she was gifting him the songs. Okay. Yeah. So they, he met at a Holiday Inn. They made the exchange. Um, they were walking back to their cars through the parking lot when they were robbed and beaten and then shot dead. What? Yep. The robbers put both bodies in the the um, trunk of Jimmy's car, drove it five blocks where they dumped the bodies in a dark alleyway and then took off in the vehicle. A week later, his car was recovered in Memphis. The murderers, are, murderers were arrested for trying to use his stolen credit card. Genius. Yes. Mm-hmm. This guy named Maurice McKinney Taylor was ultimately convicted of two counts of murder in the first degree for Jimmy and Mildred's death and sentenced to life in prison. So 17 days after Strain being died, this other country music star was killed what the in a robbery yeah and this random and and the wife of a recently dead country music star what it's what is the point of murdering people when you're trying Trying to to rob rob them them. yeah i don't you know you're not getting away with anything what are you doing yeah i don't it doesn't seem like it's your thing because you're not a murderer no you're clearly not good at it if you're i mean it doesn't seem were you looking because you took their shit mm-hmm. if you were a murderer it'd be like i'm trying to kill these people i don't yeah. give a shit about their watch yeah but you wanted their shit yeah so they didn't they doesn't were, make any sense i guess they were just pissed that they didn't get enough probably the same thing with them they, i mean these these the jimmy and mildred were meeting it was later at night he was just stopping by to get she was staying in the hotel he was stopping by to get um Ugh. you know that's fucking crazy yeah what a dark time definitely um john and david brown were guilty found guilty and sentenced to 198 years for strain being in um estelle's deaths david died in 2003 when john was released on parole in 2014 after serving 41 years of his sentence oh yeah he's the one that actually shot them so i'm kind of annoyed he got out yeah even though he's he was 23. 60 something. Oh, 20. Yeah. He can still live some life. Yeah, exactly. Put his crusty ass back in there. Exactly. Why the fuck is he getting let out? That's it's- what I'm saying. It would be one thing if it was David because he was there, but he didn't actually kill anyone. Though, uh, let me rephrase. The official story is that John killed both of them. There's no evidence yeah, that that's yeah. exactly what happened. And they both try to blame the other. Mm, but yeah, they officially settled dicey. on that. So, um, so the one died. The one died in jail. In jail, just from being shitty and uh, old. I think he had like cancer or had something. Something yeah. go wrong. Yeah. And the other guy got let out. Yep. Six years ago. Yep. And what's his punk ass been doing ever since? Do we know? Couldn't find him. His, his name's David Brown or uh, John Brown. So it's very generic. And unless you, you know, I'm sure I could hunt him down, but it might take some time. Uh, everyone else hunt him down. <laughs> this guy needs fucking rocks thrown out. Yeah, he's the worst. So Streambean and Estelle were buried side by side and a bronze statue was uh, erected in his name in Jackson County, Kentucky, where he was born. So if you go to um, Jackson County, there's a 
bronze statue of Strangbean. Cool. Um, and but the again, like I said before, there had been country music stars who had died, but none who had been murdered. And once Strangbean and then Jimmy both were killed within a span of yeah, a few, that's tough. few days. Yeah. So after that, um, not only country music, but Nashville was changed forever before everything was a handshake, a promise, word of mouth, no fear of betrayal. Cause everyone was friends. They all played music together. They all enjoyed each other. Yeah. But that money mm-hmm. and that's what happened. And, and again, ultimately that's good. Yeah. Um, and, and it ultimately came from the booking agency. Because the girl is who overheard that he had the cash. Her husband is who she told. He told her his brother and cousin who killed them. So, I mean, you know, it's a very, it makes sense that that immediately the dealings in Nashville got a little different. For sure. Um, Yeah. So at this point, um, the, between, again, between the violence that, the, there was a change in the small town vibe of Nashville and it made everyone rethink their dealings and the innocence in the town will never be reclaimed. No like, shit. It's, it's yeah, this nice thing going. Mm-hmm. In 1996, the new owners of the cabin found $20,000 hidden above the fireplace. Um, the cash had rotted, so it had no value. Oh, yeah. suck it. But there is money probably hidden around that property even more. So he did hide some. Oh, rotted mm-hmm. 20 large yeah. rotted it's a bummer mother i'm sure he didn't wrap it in anything yeah or I like mean, it's, it's just they didn't sitting have there, ziploc bags it looks like shit. fat bricks and you just grab it and it just turns just to dust yeah yeah I'm so bummed yeah yeah so that's the tale of streaming damn yeah yeah it's it's a it's a it's yeah a, fuck that guy yeah anybody that tries to rob someone and then just ends up oh well, I gotta kill you. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I hate him. Well, he was gonna kill us because you're trying to rob him. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get shot. Yeah. It's like what well, they then stay they home. Stayed, like don't rob him. Um. The, let me get the reference in references in real quick. It's Wikipedia, l e a g e l e dot com. Findagrave.com, headstuff.org, tasteofcountry.com, theboot.com. The boot. Uh, and wideopencountry.com. And let me show you a picture of him real quick. I'm sure I know who it is. Mm, oh, that's like earlier on. Do we have some, like, a couple he-haw. of his last? Yeah, like some hee-haw. Like 60s, 70s. No, he doesn't really. Let me just Google him on Hee Haw. Maybe. Hmm. Hee Haw. Yeah. Let me see what this dude's looking like on Hee Haw. Hee Haw. That's cool. He pretty much looks the same. Does he? Yeah. Ooh. That's cool. He was caked up. Yeah. And just. Super caked. Oh, I definitely remember him. He didn't have teeth. Well, I mean, I don't know if the character he didn't or the character didn't. Mm. This is the one that made me think of him. He looks. He does look a little more mm-hmm. familiar there. Definitely mm-hmm. in that outfit. Yeah, yeah, the outfit helps. All right, well, we will we will definitely put some shit up of him since he's, you know, uh, kind of a celebrity. Yeah, yeah, so I mean. there's plenty of There's Grandpa. You probably remember him as he got older. Yeah, definitely. Um, but this is him as is, is, like, young. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he has, that's like, when he's dressing like yeah. Brian Powell. Yeah, but I remember this because that's Hee Haw. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hee Haw. Goodness. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll put some pictures up about that. But yeah, I hate that guy. I hate that he got out. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I guess I, I guess the thought is is that you can't prove that it was absolutely him. So I can't say that it's okay for David to get out and not him. And I mean... But home dude died. That so. is a crazy long time. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But um, what's your old ass going to well, do? Well, you know, I'm sure that they let him out because it wasn't premeditated. They didn't go there with the thought to kill him. Well, I mean, who's going to, honestly, I wonder, his life has probably sucked balls for the last six years, I would yeah. assume. Well, He's probably one of those people that's has ne- barely known anything else. Yeah. So he just wishes he was he still was in jail. At, yeah. Probably sleeps on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. If he has a floor. If he has a floor, yeah. We'll just hope he's doing terrible because, um, yeah, fuck him. That's what we'll, yeah. 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 Let's make that. Yeah. 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 All righty. Well, if you want some uh, uh, Christian religion in your life, we have another podcast where we go through the Bible, kind of similar to this. I go through a few chapters, uh, write it down in a more entertaining way, and tell Daniel. Yeah, um, we discuss all the silly shit yeah. that's in the Bible. Yeah, it's not for those who believe that this is a serious situation. Uh, if you think the Bible is a history book, you do not want to listen to the other podcast. No, but if you do, it's it's a vibe. Um, you can find us on all podcast devices or whatever apps. Yeppers. And um, it's it's a vibe on Instagram. You can email us on murduppodcast at gmail.com about both shows. And then follow us on uh, all the shit on all Murder Podcast. You know the shit. You use the shit. Everybody no, uses the shit. We're on all the hit shit. Hit us up on the shit. Pretty much just stick to Instagram, but we're on all of it. Yeah. So. Murder. Um, yeah. So that is Eot. Sorry this one was late. Uh, people that are current. Yeah. But uh, there it is. Yeah. We'll get it to you now. Yeah. That's what she said. Right now. Yeah. Have a good week. Bye. We'll see you at the next one. <laughs>